Time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky Ciao, Tom. How are you today? Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Wash my hands. I don't touch my face. I stay at home. Shelter in place. Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves Stay away from church I avoid old folks And should I sneeze I do it in my elbow Roll 
Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour has taught for over 20 years, both inside and outside the classroom. But she's written a new book, and uh, it's uh, Surprising Science from One End to the Other called Who Gives a Poop? A fascinating and funny look at the science of poop and how it can change the world. Her name is Heather Montgomery. She joins me by phone. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Tom. Why poop? Why poop? Oh, because poop is wonderful. We just don't know it. The crazy thing is, we see it as waste. If you look at the animal world, animals don't waste it. They use it for so many things and part of the natural system. And so I started to wonder, you know, what are we wasting when we waste all of this 
material, which, of course, is disgusting. Poop, doo-doo, feces, whatever you call it, it's gross. And, yes, it can spread disease. But we can put our gray matter to work, right, and figure out what to do with this brown matter and not be dumping it in the landfills. Did, did you just run out of stuff to, to say about roadkill? No, 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 no. I never run out of stuff to say about roadkill because roadkill is fascinating, too. It's this idea that, like, obviously it's tragedy when an animal gets hit on the road, right? But again, does that body have to go to waste or can we look at it? I've kind of, well, honestly, I've kind of fallen into this idea that we humans, when something's gross or, or sad or tragic, we turn away from it, right? But why? I mean... Why don't we consciously turn towards it and see what we can learn? See how we can take that thing and turn it into something positive. And, and that's what has kind of happened with these books. You know, this, uh, this book starts with a, an experience I had with a, a roadkill coyote. I was collecting the coyote's tongue, which is terribly disgusting to Little bit. You know, cut a piece of... Yeah, right. But... But for science, we need this information. We need to know about where animals are moving and how they're related, and we need DNA. Well, that's a place to get DNA, and, and you know, the animal is already dead. So um, after I had packaged up the, the sample to send to a, a scientist, um, I had my car and almost tripped on, on a pile of scat. And I realized that that scat was that coyote's story, right? And I'm a naturalist, so I've been stick-stirring in poop for for years. But I never really got solid answers. I'd guess, you know, oh, this must be from the coyote. And look, there's some seeds in it. There are persimmon seeds, so it must have eaten persimmons. But but what else? What else was I missing? And it it launched this journey that, that went on for years. Well, I brought up uh, uh, the uh, the roadkill um because of your previous book, Something Rotten, which got a lot of raves and a lot of attention, as is your new book, Who Gives a Poop. And and I did that to, you know, actually kind of underscore the fact, Heather, that that you look very closely at things that we do look away from. Right. I decided that it is time to take a fresh look at things. And, um, you know... It's lifelong learning. I'm curious. Everyone's curious. But normally we aren't willing to follow our questions. And I think when we, when we do decide to, to follow questions, those kind of questions that sit inside of us and kind of make us a little nervous, um, that's when the real learning happens, right? That's when true discovery happens. That's when breakthroughs happen, when we're willing to face those tougher questions. Um, and in the process of writing the book, I faced my own tough questions. I confronted my own bias in this book, and that surprised me. Well, we're we're taught, uh, you know, at a very young age, to avoid poop and and or feces at all cost mm-hmm. because of the fear that there's something contaminating about it some some disease whether it's e coli or or some other things but you talk about in your book that 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 excrement in the oceanic world is actually part of the the ecosystem exactly and and it's so true i mean Definitely doo-doo can spread disease, and that's no question. And 
one thing I'm careful in the book is to explain how I'm doing this safely. But there's the thing. We actually need more feces in the ocean. Now, I'm not talking about human feces. Um, I'm talking <laughs> about whales, right? So, And they have a wallop, you know, when they go. The thing is, we sometimes forget to think as a system, right? And we forget to think about how everything is connected. And it wasn't until recently that scientists came to the understanding of the value of the, the poop of whales. See, whales eat basically at the bottom of the ocean. Um, but when they poop, it's at the top of the ocean because they come up for air and, and they release a whole plume and there's a lot there. Um, and almost all of the rest of the life is, is at the top of the ocean. Much of the life is at the top of the ocean. Well, all the nutrients, because of gravity, sink. They, they, you know, when things die, they sink. So what whales are doing is they are pumping nutrients from the bottom of the ocean to the top of the ocean, from the bottom to the top. And they are the fertilizer a key fertilizer for the life in the ocean. And without fertile oceans, you know, we're going to be in trouble. So it's an amazing thing to think about. We just never noticed that, right? And some scientists ask the question, what's really going on here? And well, I love the power of that, the potential for questions. More of our conversation about poop with educator and author Heather Montgomery straight ahead. Sumner program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. The marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artists who made them famous. You'll thrill to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel, and who can ever forget this all-time classic... Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jeff Snareplane, Lothar and Hand People, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden Protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70 Do it today. Tom Sumner, program.com. The Tom Sumner, program.com. 
This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More of our conversation about poop with educator and author Heather Montgomery straight ahead. Well, we've we've known forever that uh, that animal feces was a good fertilizer, mm-hmm. but right. I, I've read things about human waste being used for energy production. Exactly right, and I mean many cultures have used uh, waste for different kinds of uh, fuel, right? Um, and I visit a, a landfill who, who does collect methane out of the actual landfill and generates power. And it's, it's pretty amazing. And then there's the story of Brian Harper, the, the, the guy in England who turned doggy doo-doo into fuel that fueled a lamp on his street. Because people were dropping, you know, dog dew all over the place and, and not picking it up. Or if they picked it up, they, you know, had to go to the landfill. And this guy is a tinkerer, and he's, he's amazing. He went down in his underground laboratory and um, basically created his own biodigester for his backyard. And he put it on the street, uh, connected to one of these lamps, and people drop in the dung, and they crank five times. And the methane generated by the bacteria in there is what fuels the lamp. I mean, it's brilliant. It's, a, it's this win-win-win situation. And he's done it on a backyard scale. Uh, and, and, and people come now are coming all over the world to find how, how to do this and make it work in their area. Because, you know, every dog park would love to have that turned into fuel instead of just waste. And, uh, and when you talk about waste... Um, we are actually doing that. You mentioned dog parks, and one of the rules is, is you know, you are supposed to pick up the poop and dispose of it, you know, in a trash receptacle. Um, are there places or, or ways of um, that being collected rather than just thrown out with the trash that can serve... Um, a, a useful purpose? You mean doggy do yeah. or in general? Yeah, okay. just just yeah. taking well, dog parks, for example. Why throw that all away? We've got dog parks in every exactly. city all over the country. Is there, um, are there some models where it's being collected? That's what he's creating. Ah. Um, and it's it's not easy. To create this methane, you have to have the bacteria at certain temperatures. They're they're fickle, right? And so you have to manage things. And people throw stuff in there that they shouldn't. And when somebody throws, you know, other kinds of trash into a system like that, someone's got to dig it out. So it's got to be maintained. So there are pieces to this process um, which require work. But there is, for example, there was a uh, a dog park in Pennsylvania that had inquired. Uh, about Brian's system and, well, before COVID, um, were, were interested in, in learning and going and visiting his system. Um, and there, there are several that have tried it in, in very small scales here in the United States, but, um, but figuring it out just right is, is a challenge. However, you know, human waste is being used in many different places. And so uh, I didn't know this before I wrote the book, but... Um, if you uh, go to your home improvement store and you buy a bag of soil, 
it may well have well-composted, well-processed human feces in it. And and where does where is that being collected from waste processing plants? Because we have a whole plumbing system to address human waste. Exactly. So from waste processing systems, and and they're all different, and there are different regulations in different locations. Um, but there are stages of processing that um, species uh, go through, and um, if they go through enough processing. They can be used in that manner. Um, also, as fertilizer for non-food products, such as, or, or you know, crops such as copper, uh, co- cotton, excuse me, such as cotton or uh, pine plantations, uh, when you're growing trees, things like that. It has been used in that way. Of course, there's a lot of discussion about the pros and cons of these things, um, but it's it's we have it. We have lots of waste. Um, what I get most excited about, though, are things like um, the medical use. Um, literally, human feces are saving human lives. And I, I read that, and I, I read that, and I was curious about, you know, this this idea that's being collected in one location and then shipped off to a hospital and transplanted into another human being. I, I, there's got to be more to the story than that. There is. Right? Otherwise, people are walking around who really are full of crap. <laughs> you know, it's actually something. <laughs> there's too many jokes in this material, right? It's there. just there. Um, but this this process of of transplanting feces into other humans is so disgusting and revolting. However, literally, it is saving lives, and it's been used for centuries. Just recent, more recently, has it been approved here in the United States? So um, it's called a fecal microbiota transplant, and what happens is. Typically, it's used for an infection um, from C. difficile, which infects a human gut. And 29,000 humans were dying here in the United States of C. difficile a year. Um, And this uh, transplant, basically, healthy humans have a healthy microbiome. Um, And everything in there is balanced, right? They have some good bacteria and some bad bacteria, but they're balanced out. Um, And so they're poop has those bacteria in them. Um, and if you have a C. diff uh, infection, you're way out of balance, and it's causing all kinds of chaos in there. And I met a young lady who, who literally, uh, her brother went to the bathroom, took a dump, and donated his feces to her, um, and they transplanted it into her, and um, she was cured. Now, it took two times. Typically, it takes t- two times to get that colony of new bacteria um, solid and um i mean just changed her life just just like that now um the science is far enough along that we actually have uh organ uh transplant donors so people are paid people who have a healthy microbiome are paid for their uh fecal uh, donation and um and it's treated it's it's checked and treated and frozen and shipped um all across the united states um, to save lives. Boy, that it's, really it's that really flips the script right. on pay toilets. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> they use this in wildlife too. Uh, <laughs> they are using this in koalas as well, um, not for C. difficile, but for um, for changing their diet. 
because koalas are such picky eaters. Um, they will only eat like one species of eucalyptus when in fact they can actually survive on other species. Um, and uh, scientists discovered that, yeah, if you, if you give them a, a fecal transplant, therefore we think it's the bacteria that you're, you're adding to their system, um, that then they will eat the other uh, eucalyptus species and therefore don't starve. Powerful stuff when we start really looking at what's going on here. And the crazy thing is we don't really understand why it works. We know that it does work, but we don't 100% understand why. It's, it, 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 this is all fascinating stuff, but you were a teacher for 20 years, and I understand curiosity, but what captured your attention first about roadkill and, and then later about poop? I, I, I understand how one transitioned to the other, but... Um, what got you looking in a direction that people don't usually look? I think I just am amazed by animal bodies and what they can do. And when I saw, you know, a roadkill rattlesnake, I, I just had questions. And you shouldn't do this, um, but I am trained in how to handle snakes. Um, and I picked that rattlesnake up, and I want to know how come it doesn't bite itself when it shuts its mouth, right? Like, the fangs are long, and I'd read a mechanism, but I didn't understand. Like, how? And for me to really learn about something, I have to put my hands on it. And so I just did, and I opened its mouth, and I saw the folding mechanism. It was amazing. But in that instant, I had a 100 other questions about that snake, and I just decided to follow those questions and see where they lead. I think that's the key, right? That that many times we have a question and we just let it go. We don't we don't continue to ask. And that's what science is. Science is asking those questions and digging deeper. Science is not an end product. It's the the process of asking questions and channeling our curiosity and making discoveries. And that's what excites me and that's what I love to teach whether I'm outside or inside the classroom. Um, working with kids. Uh, that's what I love to do. Was part of your education um, learning how to, to deal with uh, hazard materials, or was that something you had to learn as your curiosity grew? Well, when I got my bachelor's in biology, I definitely learned safe procedures um, in the lab, but all the way along, um, I, you know, gained information as, as I went, um, you know, visiting scientists. I did a lot of visiting scientists um, for this book. I, I, entered a, <laughs> I entered a lab that had the double locked doors, and you had to take your shoes off and put on shoes that were only worn in the lab and things like that. Um, and, and you just go, you know, and, and, and continue to learn as you, as you go, the safety mechanisms as well as the information. Okay, so... You, you develop this curiosity and you start exploring these things from roadkill to, to poop. What made you decide that this was good stuff for books? <laughs> well, a number of years ago, I realized that if I write it down, I can share what I've learned with many more people than I can actually teach face-to-face. -face. Um, and so um, when I figured that out, I started to write books. 
And uh, my initial market, you know, audience was children. But I find these books reach a lot of folks. Um, you know, we're all lifelong learners, and we and we want to continue to learn. So, um, you know, I, I just think that this kind of topic is something that grabs all kinds of folks. Um, there are poop books for kids, but they're almost all picture books. And I'm sorry, but, you know, we, we don't tend to outgrow this fascination with bodily functions. Um, and this is important science, right? This is important stuff to ask uh, because we all need to understand the scientific process. And we under, need to understand um, what it means uh, to keep to keep asking questions and and appreciate what's there, but also dig a little deeper uh, than what you see at the surface. Now, the book is uh, is targeted at middle grade readers, um, and, and I suspect that there are people younger and older, certainly that you know can learn from these books. But but why target uh, middle grade? Because they are curious kids, right? Like, they're still curious. And like I said, there are picture books out there, but these kids have outgrown that, and they want to dig. They're ready to to handle complex issues. Um, I had a sixth grader in my class, and he came back from the library, and he said, Miss Heather, there's just no books for me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but I understood his point, right? <laughs> this kid, he, he didn't want fiction, because he didn't like fake stuff, right? And he was interested in outdoorsy stuff. Well, most of the nonfiction wasn't that, right? Most of it was biographies or histories, and that's not what he was interested in, but he was not going to carry a little kitty book around, right? And um, and so I started to say, well, maybe I could dig in and, and, and explore some of these things that kids are ready to look at, and uh, and that, that turned into these, these books that go, go deeper. And 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 what middle grade reader wouldn't want to read something that's got the word poop in it? Right. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of stories in here. Chimpanzees who throw their poop and zoos that uh, have glitter poop because they want to know which animal's which, so they feed different animals uh, different colored glitter. I mean, there's all kinds of stories in here. The scorpion that self-amputates and um, <clears throat> because he's lost his tail. He can never longer go for the rest of his life. I mean, you know, oh, this is this is kind of fun stuff, right? It's kind of tough. Well, you you mentioned um, monkeys, and one of the things we know about monkeys is that they groom each other. They're essentially pulling poop out of each other's fur, aren't they? Yeah, that's part of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Because one of the issues with monkeys is they're there's parasites, and that's an issue, right? Um, and parasites that pass poop to poop. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the poop lands on the ground, and they walk through it, and then things happen, right? Um, interesting story, though, is that, you know, just like we used to think bacteria was bad, 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 you know, everything in the environment has a role. And um, there's some interesting research about uh, parasites and the role that parasites might play in connection to immune systems, which seems kind of odd um but uh but you know that that's what science is it's looking at those odd things and saying why is that where is that how is that can we learn from that well and and you know research into bacteria is at the heart of a lot of the research that goes into developing vaccines like what's going on 
now all over the world uh, because of the coronavirus. Excellent. You're so right, you know, and it's that process of kind of looking into those things um, that's, uh, that's so important. And it's important for everyone in our society, whether they're interested in, you know, science or not, um, to understand that larger process um, that, that we have to, we have to ask the questions, we have to test these things out, and um, we continue to learn as we go every single day. Now you were talking about the guy who who uh, figured out how to to um, create a plant, um, and I mean an operating plant, not like plant life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That that processes poop and lights a lamp, like a, a street lamp. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's one example of 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 this science, but. Is that one of the most unusual, or did you find some really strange ones? I, I know trans um, planting poop from trans one person plants, to another yeah, is yeah. is got to be right at the top of the list. But what are a couple of others that that really surprised you as you were researching for this book? So another really surprising one is this um, is this idea of astronaut poop. Uh, you think about it, you know, you're going to Mars, you're going to have some poop. Um, and what do you do with it, right? And again, we could think of it as waste, but you're not going to do that because every single thing that's on your ship is important, right? So well, we, we, was, learned, uh, we learned that they, they recycle urine and make drinking water out of it, which was pretty gross. And I recently read a story about... Uh, a redesign of a of a toilet and and how the toilets because of weightlessness have this this huge suction thing that has to operate a certain way um and that was the first time that i i have to admit the first time that i actually gave any thought to astronaut poop Exactly. Like, you know, it's not something that crosses our mind every day. But, you know, when you're NASA and when you're planning to go to Mars, you have to think about these things. And so they put out this contest, um, you know, what could we do with it? And um, actually a group of college students entered and they and they won. They um, figured out a way to turn it into plastic. So if you collect poop and um, you let bacteria grow on it, that's great. Um, but if you genetically engineer that bacteria to produce plastic, you can collect the plastic. Now you have plastic that you can use in a 3D printer. Say, oh, there's a certain wrench that you left back on Earth. Now you can have it. Or as right? we've experienced, just simply drifted off into space. <laughs> I don't know if you remember <laughs> that story, but somebody was you know, doing a, a spacewalk and working on something a door latch or something and um mm-hmm. fumbled a wrench and it's out there it's just floating around in space yeah. so right, right. <laughs> it'd be a good time to make a new one exactly right uh then there's the story of dogs dna and dung where um a group of uh folks have trained dogs to track elephants and collect their dung they're like why are they doing that well they need to collect dna so that we can understand which elephant families live where. And the whole reason for that is to capture the poachers. Because uh, elephants live on such a large land base that we can't track down where the poachers are. We can catch the ivory that's being shipped, 
but we don't know where it's coming from. So with the ivory, you can pull DNA out of that ivory and match it to the map that you've created thanks to the dung. And in that way, um, they've actually shut down the two largest ivory cartels in the world. So important conservation um, stories here as well. Well, this is this is interesting. I thought this was going to be kind of a crappy uh, conversation, but um, <laughs> I, I guess in some ways it was. Um, but all kidding. Uh, well, I was going to say all kidding aside, but that's almost impossible with um, with this topic. But the topic. but you've done roadkill. You've done poop. What's next, Heather? Is there some kind of a, a gross-out trilogy on the horizon? <laughs> well, I'm stick stern right now. You just never know what's going to come up. It's, there's <laughs> tons of gross topics out there, so we'll just have to see what pops up um, and take a fresh look at it. Um, it's a long process writing a book, but, uh, yeah, something's coming. We just don't know what yet. Well, this so is great, and I mentioned you were an educator both inside and outside the classroom, and um, you've worked with kids at festivals and done school visits and visited environmental centers. Um, I We're getting just close to the end of our time, Heather, and I'm having such a good time talking with you, but I want to make sure that listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I sure do. It's heatherlmontgomery.com because there's other Heather Montgomery's out there. Heather L. Montgomery. They can also uh, find me on Twitter at Heather L. Mont. That's Heather L. M-O-N-T. And I'm on Facebook, Heather L. Montgomery. Well, Heather, this is uh, this has been great. I want to thank you for spending time with me and uh, shooting the poop. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> I, I cleaned I, that up a little I bit. A fantastic visit. <laughs> Good for you. Right. Put your poo goggles on. Go explore the world. There you go. Well, Heather, thanks so much, and uh, best of luck with the book and everything you do. All right. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it, Tom. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. That was uh, Heather Heather Montgomery. The name of the book is um, Who Gives a Poop? Surprising Science from One End to the Other. And I actually meant to uh, mention uh, the illustrations in the book, and I, that kind of got away from me. Iris Gottlieb is the uh, illustrator, and uh, there's some, some interesting... Uh, drawings and illustrations that go along with some very in- interesting information. Anyway, that wraps it up with my uh, my conversation with um, Heather Montgomery. She's a teacher and author, and uh, once again, it's heatherlmontgomery.com. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. <laughs>
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. 
Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman study sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman's sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. One thing I do like being down there with the old people is it makes me feel like I'm little again, like a little kid. And when you're a kid, you can eat an amazing amounts of food. And that, all, just candy. That's all I ate when I was a kid. The only thought I had growing up was get candy. That was my only thought in my brain for the 10 years of human life. Just get candy, get candy, get candy, get candy, get candy, get candy. Family, friends, school, these were just obstacles in the way of getting more candy. That's why you have to teach kids not to take candy from strangers if they're playing in a playground. And they can barely understand it. Don't, no candy from strangers? All right, candy, strangers, no candy. All right, because otherwise I'm taking the candy anywhere I can get it. There's such candy moron, idiot brains. Just this man has candy, I'm going with him. Goodbye, I don't care what happens to me. Get candy, get candy, get candy. No, don't go, they'll torture you, they'll kidnap you. It doesn't matter, he has no Henry, I have to take that chance. Get candy, get candy, get candy. So the first time you hear the concept of Halloween when you're a kid, you remember the first time you even heard about it? It's like, your brain can't even... What, what is this? Who's giving out candy? Someone's giving out candy? Who, who is giving out this candy? Everyone that we know is just giving out candy? I gotta be a part of this. Take me with you. I, I wanna do it. I'll do anything that they want. I can wear that. I'll wear anything I have to wear. I'll do anything I have to do. I will get the candy from these fools that are so stupidly giving it away. So the first couple of years, I made my own costume. They, of course, sucked. Ghost, hobo, no good. So I'm begging the parents, you gotta get me one of the ones from the store, the cardboard box, the cellophane top. So one year, third year, finally got it. Superman costume, not surprisingly. Mask included in the set. Remember the rubber band on the back of that mask? That was a quality item there, wasn't it? It was good for about 10 seconds before it snapped out of that cheap little staple they put it in there with. Thinnest gray rubber in the world. You go to your first house, trick or snap, it broke, I don't believe it. Wait up, I gotta fix it, you guys. Come on. Wait up. That's a good thing, wait up. Kids don't want other kids to wait. They must wait up. You wait up. Because when you're little, life is up. You're growing up, everything is up. Wait up, hold up, shut up. Mom, I'll clean up. Let me stay up. <laughs> Parents, of course, just the opposite. Just calm down. Slow down. Come down here, sit down, put that down. 
You are grounded. And keep it down in there. So I had my Superman Halloween costume. I was physically ready. I was mentally prepared. And I assume when I put this costume on, I would probably look exactly like the Superman I had come to know on television and in the movies. Now you remember these costumes. It's not exactly the super fit that you are hoping for. You look more like you're wearing Superman's pajamas is what you look like. It's all loose and flowing. Neckline kind of comes down to about there. <laughs> you got that flimsy little ribbon string holding it together in the back. Plus my mother makes me wear my winter coat over the costume anyway. I don't recall Superman wearing a jacket. So you're going out there, you know, and the mask keeps breaking. So the rubber band keeps getting shorter. It gets tighter and tighter on your face. You can't even see. You're trying to breathe through that. Remember that little hole that gets all sweaty in there? And the mask starts slicing into your eyeballs. I can't see. I can't breathe. But we got to get the candy. Let's keep going. About a half hour into it, you take that mask. Oh, the hell with it. Bing bong, yeah, it's me. Give me that candy. I'm Superman. Look at the pant legs. What the hell's the difference? Remember those last few Halloweens? Getting a little too old for it. Just kind of going through the motions. Bing bong, come on, lady, let's go. Halloween, doorbells, candy, let's pick up the pace in there. You come to the door, they always ask you those same stupid questions. What are you supposed to be? I'm supposed to be done by now. You want to move it along, the Three Musketeers? I got 18 houses on this block alone. You just hit the bag, we hit the road. That's the routine. Let's just pick it up. Sometimes they give you that little white bag twisted on the top. You know that's going to be some crap candy. <laughs> it's got to have those official Halloween markings on it. Hold it, lady. Wait a second. What is this? The orange marshmallow shaped like a big peanut? Do me a favor. You keep that one. <laughs> yeah, we got all the door stops we need already. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're going for name candy only this year. And I think about how I used to eat when I was a kid. How I would, I remember Halloween, I would get, you know, I would have like a punch bowl and I would fill it with candy. The top of it would be curved. That's how much candy would, I would consume that entire punch bowl that night. Next day, feel fantastic. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
on behalf Primo of Detroit. Beats on the we want to present these buffs to our governor, Aye. Big Grits. Throw the buffs on their face, because that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Grits. Woo. You can find her in the press under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Grits. At all. You can find her in the press under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. Come on. Big Grits and this bitch playing no roles. At Excuse all. all the cussing. That's just how I get my flow on. For real. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Grits said stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. Big Grits ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we gonna take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Big Grits got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Grits with the buffs on on the lookout. And she doing it for Michigan, so when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on their pair of buffs with the ice and them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit mission. Throw the buffs on her face, cause that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Grits. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. Big Throw the buffs on her face, cause that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Grits. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Hi, Big I'm Grits. Alexander Zondrick. Don't touch that dress. dial. Yeah, You're listening to Tom Sumner.